The pelvic floor muscles are really important at keeping everything in place. And they're also important in pain management. So a lot of women, we were in a peer-reviewed medical journal that explained that when your pelvic floor muscles are strong, everything's good, right? Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction is a topic that you don't normally hear a lot about, yet it impacts hundreds of millions of women. Up to 32% of women of childbearing age worldwide have experienced pelvic pain for at least six to nine months. Of those women, up to a third have pain that is so severe that they have to miss work. That is approximately 600 million women worldwide who experience chronic pelvic pain in their childbearing years. And that's not talking about women in menopause and beyond. Now, for as little as we hear about this, pelvic pain is extremely common among women. One of the reasons why pelvic pain has been challenging to diagnose is due to the medical system simply normalizing pelvic pain and pelvic dysfunction. Many women have been told that their period pain or their pelvic pain is completely normal, or worse yet, that it simply doesn't exist. Another challenge is that most doctors are simply not educated on pelvic floor health which leads to women being told that they are simply making up their symptoms and that they are hysterical and in some instances marked as constant complainers on their medical records so that nobody will listen to them moving forward. Some of the most common symptoms when we're dealing with pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic pain is urine leakage, fecal incontinence, pelvic discomfort, pain during sex, and low to non-existent orgasms. And then you've got the frequent bathroom trips, the menstrual cramps, and potentially constipation. Now today, I'm bringing on Mary Ellen Reeder to speak to us about how we can identify pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction so that we can set ourselves up for success, especially if we begin to experience any level of pelvic pain or bladder leakage or fecal incontinence or pain with sex, whatever's going on where we know that something just simply isn't right. Now, that first step is understanding our pelvic floor muscles and how they work. And then if you find that something isn't right, like all of a sudden things just feel more lax, they feel more tight, or you're experiencing pain that is absolutely uncomfortable or potentially urge or stress incontinence, then it's important to be able to reach out to the right physical therapist and get the tools to support pelvic floor muscles. Here's the thing is our pelvic floor is just a series of muscles that are holding in our reproductive organs, our colon, our small intestine. I mean, it's an important part of our core. And if anything in that area, for whatever reason, is causing dysfunction or discomfort, I know that like the muscles in your shoulder or the muscles in your legs or the muscles in your back, we can repair them. We just got to get the right resources and tools into your hands. Now, because this is such a big and very common concern for women, I have dedicated an entire mega chapter 
on this topic in my upcoming book, The Menopause Solution. Now, this book is going to be released in April 2021, and I could not be more thrilled because I've been working on this book since the summer of 2019, and I've poured my heart and soul into this. Now, this book is going to be helping to support women in perimenopause and menopause and really address the most common misconceptions and concerns in this massive critical phase in our life. This is one of the most critical phases and most critical times of a woman's life, and it's very defining. So to me, I believe that we deserve solutions that are easy, gentle, and effective. You come to think about it, when we think about perimenopause and menopause, you know, that's a good 20 years of our life as we move through the spectrum of those transitions. And to make sure that I'm truly serving your biggest concerns and needs with all of the different educational tools that we're creating, masterclasses, guides, and so much more, I created a very quick survey that I would be thrilled if you filled out. Now, by filling it out, you automatically get entered into my hormone giveaway that includes a signed copy of my best-selling book, The EO Hormone Solution. You're going to get a favorite hormone essential oil blend that I use all the time and my go-to hormone balance supplement that has been a mega bestseller in the Essentially Whole store. Now, I I will have the link in the show notes for the survey for episode 226, and I'm really excited to dive into this very real conversation about the importance of pelvic floor health and how to heal naturally. But before I do that, I want to sing Mary Ellen's praises. Mary Ellen Reeder is the co-director of Your Lap, the wellness device to treat urinary incontinence and improve sexual performance and experience through muscle control by helping to restore pelvic floor health. So I'm excited to bring her on. Let's welcome her to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Mary Ellen Reeder. How are you doing today, girl? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. Yay. Well, we're talking about pelvic floor health, and this is such an important topic, but I think it's very taboo. I think a lot of women, we're just not having this conversation. We don't recognize that many of us are struggling with pelvic floor issues. Um, And I'm really excited to shed light on some remedies and recommendations, really what's going on with our pelvic floor and how we can support women moving forward. And so before we get into all of that, um, what I'd love to have you do, Mary Ellen, is talk a little bit about your journey and what really inspired you to get into this work. Yeah, so I in college was really into women's rights and women's health. And I had an internship with Women for Women International and saw directly that if you gave women the correct resources and tools, it changed society because it was, they were like the root, right? They, you give women what they need and it just flourishes. And so my dad is a medical device engineer and he and I kind of came together and realized that there was a massive gap in pelvic floor health and conversation that needed to happen. Um, We had a family friend who had a really bad incontinence and just couldn't figure out how to treat it effectively at home, right? The normal routes were surgery or drugs, and either of those she could take. And my dad um, has designed devices that were used in the national healthcare system over in Europe, 
and just assumed that the same thing that was available in Europe is available in the United States, and it wasn't. So we kind of came together and created the Yara Lab to help women with pelvic floor health um, and tone their pelvic floor muscles. And so my dad and I are actually co-founders in this um, in this company. And some people are like, isn't that weird to talk to your dad about this kind of stuff? I'm like, no, I grew up thinking parts are parts. So there is just, there's no weirdness or taboo when it comes to us. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. And yes, there's a lot of misinformation about the pelvic floor muscles and how they work, how they become dysfunctional, how they become overly tight. And so what I'd love for you to do is just start off and let us let us know a little bit more about the pelvic floor. What is it? <laughs> so the pelvic floor muscles are a group of muscles that run crisscross and all over that pubic bone, and they hold everything in place and really create a foundation for your body. And I always tell everybody, imagine a hammock. That's kind of what it looks like. That's kind of what it does and kind of aligns and zigzags that way. It holds up your bladder, your uterus in in women, um, and those visceral organs on top. And so when those muscles get tired through atrophy, so not being used or through trauma or intense actions like childbirth or pregnancy, those muscles actually start to sag. And when they sag, everything shifts. And a lot of times your bladder is at the bottom of that kind of pyramid and a lot of pressure is put on your bladder. And that's where we kind of get incontinence. But the pelvic floor muscles are really important at keeping everything in place. And they're also important in pain management. So a lot of women, we were in a peer review medical journal that explained that when your pelvic floor muscles are strong, everything's good, right? You don't have back pain or unexpected back pain. But a lot of women, when those muscles get weakened, pelvic floor gives out, your back actually comes in to compensate and comes in to hold what was kind of given. And your back is not meant to do that. Your back does not, is not designed for that kind of crucial support that the pelvic floor muscle independently is supposed to take, right? And so all of a sudden you get this unexpected back pain because your back is trying to hold all those things in place. And then all of a sudden that gives out. And where does the structural load go? It goes straight to your knees and down that way. And so a lot of people have unexpected back pain and knee pain. And it's because those body parts are trying to take on that load that the pelvic floor was supposed to take but it's too weak to do so. And so your pelvic floor is really important for all aspects of your wellness. Hmm. And you can absolutely have not only pain in your low back or in your knees, maybe your hips, but also within the pelvic floor as well. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then I also, from what I understand is I know that the muscles and the ligaments can become more lax, but also things can get really, really tight as well. Like you can have spasming muscles in that area, like overfiring muscles. Yeah. And a lot of times that tense muscle action causes things like discomfort and pain, intense pain during sex, for instance. So a lot of people who have like hypertonus or extreme tension within those muscles report that sex is just really painful. A lot of them don't even want to do it just because 
those muscles, like it feels like you're getting stabbed and it's crazy how everything kind of works together. And if something is a little off, everything is just thrown off. Mm. And then also when it comes to more inflammatory conditions, like let's say endometriosis, do we find that when we've got, I'm not sure if it's ever interconnected as well, that when you've got that level of, of kind of scar tissue, that that can also impact the pelvic floor? Oh, yeah. I mean, we at ER Lab don't really do much with endometriosis um, because that's, I mean, one in 10 women have it and everybody is different, right? And so, but anything that kind of has inflammation or causes anything in that region to be um, different in hormonal fluctuations, like even when you're on your period, your pelvic floor also kind of fluctuates and all that kind of stuff. It's integral to your pelvic floor because that's the root of that area is that's what's holding everything together. It's the foundation of the house, basically. No, definitely. And I'm so grateful that you're, that that's exactly how you're describing it. Cause it's exactly that it's, it's that, that um, kind of the low, lower core foundation that's kind of keeping everything together. And like you said, lots of different factors can lead to that. It may potentially childbirth, um, a trauma that could happen. Inflammation can throw things off. A lot of different things can misalign the pelvic floor, cause it to not work as effectively as it used to. And I know that women, you know, in their late 40s, into their 50s, 60s, and beyond are dealing with urinary incontinence and bladder leakage. And it's one of those things that I feel like a lot of women, they're just willing to just manage it. I think that they're just kind of told, well, this is how it's going to be for me, you know, and I've got, you know, I've got pads, I've got depends, I've got these, these options. But it doesn't have to be that way at all. What I'm under, what I've understood working with physical therapists and friends of friends of mine who are pelvic floor specialists, that this is this can absolutely be resolved. And I think that's the conversation I'm really excited to have today. Is is that there can absolutely be resolution. And now, and I know, you know, particularly you have a device that does something very specific. And some instances, if women are dealing with, you know, like you said, vulvaldynia, like where they're, everything's just really tight and spasming and overreactive, they may absolutely need to go and see a physical therapist to kind of calm those muscles down. Let's segue into probably the, the the area of concern that like the symptom of pelvic floor dysfunction, which is going to be um, urinary incontinence, whether it's stress incontinence or urge incontinence. Um, talk to me a little bit about, I know you mentioned that ultimately the bladder is at the bottom of the pyramid. If things start to go, you know, we may have a situation where there's pretty more pressures being put on the bladder. Right. Yeah. So when your pelvic floor gets weakened and that starts to sag, or when we have like, you know, overactive bladder or urge incontinence, those muscles spasm. And when I was trying to explain to people, I always like to think of it as a really intense hug on your bladder that's involuntary. And so all of a sudden you get this weird spasm and your bladder, you know, just is like, well, okay, I guess I got squeezed in. I'm making you pee a little bit. And that pressure when, you know, you're running, coughing, sneezing, or you have a child, that intense pressure or repetitive motion can weaken the pelvic floor muscles. And if you're not engaging those muscles and keeping them toned, they actually weaken over time, right? 
So we always want to make sure that those pelvic floor muscles are toned and in good shape. And I know we've been talking about, you know, hypertension within those muscles. And oftentimes everybody sees do Kegel exercises, make sure you do them, make sure you do them. But if you have a really hyperextended muscle, like it's just full attention, you don't want to do that. You don't, Kegels are not a one size fit all. And I think that that's a big also misconception and a myth within the pelvic floor is that kegels will fix everything. And that's not true. When it comes to urinary incontinence, probably when it comes to stress and urge, you know, when you need to tone those pelvic floor muscles and they tell you, you know, you need to learn how to clench them. Yes, that's a good route. But if you have really tense muscles, kegels are not going to be your friend um, in this situation. You need to learn how to relax those muscles And that in itself is also a complete different exercise. Right. Absolutely. Now, would you recommend, I mean, I personally, as a practitioner, I rec, I mean, so many of us don't know. We just don't, we don't know if they're overactive or if they're underactive. I mean, clearly there's symptomology that they can kind of look at some symptoms, but would you recommend having someone go and, and meet with a specialist to find out if these types of exercises would work or if this particular device would work, like, I feel like, the, you know, because it's such a complex grouping of muscles and clearly very internal, right? We, that's so internal that I don't think we, we don't really think about them being there, that there's so much going on. This little, you know, like you said, that little hammock of muscles and fascia and ligaments all connected and goodness knows a lot of things could go wrong in there. <laughs> I know for me, I would definitely want a specialist to kind of be like, okay, here's your circumstance. Here's your situation. It's not just like, like you said, the, 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 the fix all kegels, like, oh, you've got urgent continence. You need to start doing kegels, you know? Yeah. So for us, um, I keep saying, you know, us at your lab, but when we actually work really well um, and very heavily with physical therapists, especially pelvic floor therapists, because we truly believe that everybody should be all on the same page. There should be no shame in this, right? Just because something is common does not mean that it's normal. And so you have to be able to open up that conversation. And I understand that it is very embarrassing to say, you know, I pee myself when I laugh or something like that. That is very personal. And that's weird to talk to somebody about it, but most of the time it's pretty treatable. And, um, if you know, you talk to your doctor or something and they're like, do your kegels, then, you know, okay, I need to find something that can do my kegels or something like that. Or if they're like, kegels might not work for you, then, you know, okay, kegel device is not for me. That's not an option for me. And so I really think that to break the stigma you have to be able to talk to whomever about it, especially your doctor, especially your physical therapist. And, you know, if they say, you know, do a pelvic floor exercise, learn how to clench, learn how to tone to treat the incontinence, you know exactly what to look up to and look at, look for online, but doing a self-diagnosis is not going to help anybody. Hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. So, so appreciate that. Well, I just, you know, it's so funny as we're talking about this. Um, I'm, um, I'm pregnant right now. I'm heading into my third trimester and, um, thanks. And it's, you know, I remember having a best friend of mine who was pregnant a year ago and, and, um, and she's like, you know, you may laugh 
or sneeze and pee yourself. And I was like, what? Like no one <laughs> told me that was going to happen. And, um, oh, yeah. and I've had some, you know, during this pregnancy, I've had some really big laughing fits and I don't know what that's all about. Not that I don't love laughing, but we're talking about like full out on the floor giggles. And I've, I've, I've felt those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? And no, it hasn't happened yet for me, but I had no idea. You know, it's one of these, one of these things during pregnancy where it's absolutely possible one could pee themselves a little bit because the baby is pushing on your bladder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Post, uh, postpartum care, perineal reeducation. That's like, that's a big thing. It's a thing. It's a big thing. Oh my goodness. And so I was just having this conversation and I get this is more of a um clearly a, a clear I know what I know the reason why. Like I, I understand why that could be happening and recognizing that, especially repetitive um pregnancies, even even one pregnancy could could lead to creating some pelvic floor issues down the line. But it's just so funny to be in this world for me, you know, because I I just, it wasn't something I attributed to pregnancy at all. It's like, oh, you don't sneeze and pee during pregnancy, but no, yes, you could. So. (laughs) Oh yeah. That pressure is there. And it's like, I feel like it's a big switch for basically like all women, especially where they're like, it's like, oh, okay. This is like, it's not fun. Is this a foretelling of my future? No, I'm just kidding. But like, you know, it's that first moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I bet so many pregnant women have like that first, first time of experiencing a little bit of incontinence was probably during their pregnancy. Oh yeah. And that's why like every, I think every woman that I've spoken to who's postpartum is like, I've been told to do kegels and I have absolutely no idea what to do or how to do them. And I think I'm trying to do them, but I don't actually know. And it's like, yeah, because we can't see them for males when they're doing a kegel, their penis goes up and down. But for women, we don't have that. We don't have that external meter we to, do not. to look at. So we're like, are we even doing them correctly or what's going on here? Quick question on all of that is we're just kind of just talking a little bit about this for a second my thought, and I know that other countries do a better job, um, Europe in particular, that a lot of women probably need some level of, of support, maybe even physical therapy support post, post-pregnancy during postpartum, you know, even if it's like maybe month two or month three, but it's not something we ever actually, you know, we, we I think women, I think women get a six week postpartum visit and then it's, it's done. Like that's it. That's it. Yeah. That is, we, usually. That, that's all we get. And it's so, it's so crazy to me that, that pelvic floor health isn't a vital component to the recovery for women after pregnancy. I don't know if this has been a conversation you've oh, no, had before. It's, like, it's a really big thing. So my dad, when I was saying he designs devices, he actually designs the pelvic floor postpartum reeducation device that's actually used in the national healthcare systems in France, Scandinavia, Germany, Great Britain. Because basically once you're able to do exercises, right? Like don't do anything beforehand while you're still, you know, recovering. Childbirth is very, very intense. So wait until, you know, you're all clear to do exercise. But then once you are, they give you a device to actually treat and tone your pelvic floor muscles so that you can prevent things like incontinence down the road. And um, the United States at this time, sadly, doesn't really have anything like that. That's where we kind of come into play with postpartum care because we've seen what they do in Europe. And when it comes to that, they've they got it. They got it down. <laughs> got it. 
Well, and that's what I'm saying. I was really fascinated by, you know, when I was, I was, I just wrote, I just finished a book that won't come out until April of 21. And it's on, it's on menopause specifically, but I talk a lot about perimenopause as well, because that spectrum between, yeah. And so there's a whole entire massive, massive chapter on pelvic floor health and pelvic floor dysfunction. I want to say that incontinence is in that chapter as well. There's multiple vaginal dryness, like there's multiple, we just kind of, I tackle every single piece and I get that some of it is interconnected, but everything needed its own credence. But this chapter was, I think it, it's, it was, it got out of control, but it's because I really wanted women to feel very educated on this topic. Um, and one of the things that I saw in my research was that, that a lot of European countries had these, you know, these programs to help heal women's pelvic floor after pregnancy and postpartum. And I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, you, we never hear about that here. That's never a conversation. Like unless I'm personally, you know, going potentially out of network to go find a pelvic floor specialist, a, a, a PT who specifically focuses on po postpartum recovery, and I have to go out and probably come out of pocket for that, that's um, just not going to happen for us. And I'm really happy that we're having this conversation because it's important that we know that this is a really important aspect of women's healing process in other countries around the world. And it just opens the door for just at least not only acknowledging it, but then maybe if women are having, you know, I don't know if anyone's having a baby listening to this this episode right now, but something to even consider. If things are not feeling right, if things are not coming, you just you just know something isn't right, it's absolutely worth going and um and seeking somebody out. Oh yeah. Postpartum care and pelvic floor stuff go hand in hand. And I think you nailed it on the head. It's like during menopause and everything like that, the pelvic floor kind of shows up and, and urinary incontinence you know, peaks its terrible head out and it's like, Hey, what's up? But like, it's all connected and what you can do for your pelvic floor health, you should definitely do. And it's kind of, it's sad that that's not something that is just like automatic here in the U S and that you have to find it once you're doing like research. I mean, I didn't even know about um, what they were doing in France, for instance, until I was actually researching stuff for Yarlap. And I was like, this is a fantastic educational program. Like, why don't we have this year? I had no idea. I when, I when we were doing stuff for the pelvic floor in Yarlap, I was under the misconception that urinary incontinence only happens for older women. I was like, oh, it's like a grandma issue. It's not my thing. Like, I don't need to worry about it. Turns out that's completely false. One in three women have urinary incontinence at some point in their life. And I think University of Michigan and AARP did a study last year that came out that was like near 50% of women over the age of 50 have incontinence. And I was like, that's mind blowing. Like that is a mind blowing statistic. Absolutely. And it can happen as early as in our forties, 100%. And um, again, it's just one of those things that people just kind of bury under the sand. We don't talk about it. And women are just shamefully, you know, not re realizing that there are some really incredible solutions for them. Clearly the incontinence situation is the big one, right? No one, you know, no one's trying to, no one's trying to run to the bathroom in the middle of the day at work or at the grocery store or wherever they're at um, to kind of, you know, handle what we think we should all be able to control. Um, but the other thing that comes up a lot for women too is how our pelvic floor, like how pelvic floor dysfunction can affect orgasms. And can you speak a little bit into that as well? 
Yeah. So I always read in different magazines and stuff, do your kegels for bedroom pleasure. And I was always thinking, okay, that has to do directly with the vagina and the vagina only. Well, that's not true. So when you do a kegel exercise and you engage your pelvic floor muscles, those are actually the same muscles that are contracting during your orgasm. So when you have an orgasm and you feel that like pulsing sensation, that's actually your pelvic floor being engaged. And so with muscle memory, when you have a really good, strong pulse or engagement of those muscles, your body is like, I know how to do this and I know how to do it bigger, better, faster, and stronger. And I, I got this, it becomes, you know, it's muscle memory. And so a lot of times when you're doing a Kegel exercise, you have a stronger response to the orgasm because your muscles know what to do. And so your clitoris also runs along the pelvic floor muscles, which is really cool. And so when you are engaging and you're pulsing and you're doing all these things and everything is working together, your clitoris is also being engaged and it's being stimulated. And so your orgasm is just kind of shooting off fireworks because all these things are being engaged and they're all working at the same time and they all know what they're doing. And they know how to do it properly because you're doing these exercises that are engaging a muscle that normally we can't self-engage properly. Hmm. And so if our pelvic floor is off, our orgasms are definitely going to be off as well. Sometimes, yeah. So a lot of times, you know, if you have atrophy and you don't really feel a lot, it's not numbness, but it's just you don't feel a lot down there because everything's kind of asleep. There's no, I don't know how else to like, I'm trying to go like as layman as I possibly can. And so that's kind of what happens. And when you are engaging your pelvic floor muscles, they're waking up. And when you're having sex, they're awake and they're like, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. We do these regularly. When you do have a strong pelvic floor muscle, it's shown that you actually have a really great response to an orgasm. And that's due to muscle memory, where your clitoris is located. It's really, really cool. Hmm. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like a lot of studies, you know, um, probably are controversial, but one of them is by Elizabeth Boyd, who tried to show that the sucking sensation when you're having an orgasm, that pull feeling is not just for sperm and procreation. It's also to engage those pelvic floor muscles to show them that like they're engaging, that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So when you're doing a Kegel exercise, you often are told to do like a clench and a pull up. And that's what it's supposed to feel like. And that's also what it feels like when you're doing an orgasm. Thank you. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of clarity. And I did know, I mean, clearly there's, you know, there's all the different types, like there's a little egg you can, the jade egg you can put in and, you know, then clearly Kegel devices. And, you know, we know that they can help to strengthen, strengthen orgasms or make them even more spectacular, more so today. And not to say that pleasure isn't on the agenda for this episode, because it, it should always be on the agenda for the, for any episode, but really just more so if women are finding that their orgasms aren't as powerful there aren't as as consistent as they used to be it's definitely worth looking into mary ellen are there any other symptomology you know clearly urge incontinence leakage with the bladder is a clear sign that something isn't right maybe orgasms that aren't as strong as they used to be 
Is there anything else that we should be looking out for kind of on the early side to know if our pelvic floor isn't stable enough or strong enough or working as efficiently enough as we enter into our 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond? I think we've covered like the main really big ones, right? So I would say, yeah, bladder leaks. Like if you're laughing and you're coughing and you can't hold it anymore, that's probably a, a sign that your body's trying to get Or like you. you almost can't, you know, like yeah. that, that's or a you sign. Or you have like an urge. Yeah, the like urge. You have like okay. urges that you can't get rid of. Pain during intercourse or lack of sensation during intercourse. Those are potential signs. I would say that those are like the really, really big ones that we usually tend to cover and tend to think of because they're tangible. Right. Love it. I just wanted to get, because I know that sometimes my, not not sometimes, my audience is always like, okay, what are some of the things we should be looking out for? What are the things that no one told me to look out for? And so I always like to touch upon those just, just in case, you know, and especially if we can find it out as early as possible, the better. And so I'm always kind of like, okay, what could be like a, an early sign before we get to the point where we're leaking? You know, no, we don't want to get to that point before we deal with it. We also get like these little things where it's like, I used to get these tingly sensations and then like the sudden urge to pee. So I think like if anything just feels a little off too, listen to your body, your body knows best. I hear that entirely. Yeah, I mean, clearly for many decades, our pelvic floor was working just fine. And we know what that feels like because it, it just worked, right? And then all of a sudden start things to start to feel off. That's when we should definitely say, huh, something isn't right here. And we should go check it out. So we've been hearing about Kegels forever, right? Kegels for better orgasms, Kegels for better sex, Kegels for, er- for incontinence, Kegels for everything. And so, and I, and I get, you know, and the reason for that one is that they're quote unquote, fairly easy to do. You know, <laughs> you know, you can read a lot of instructional videos. There's a lot of YouTube videos on Kegels and all of that. We're not lacking for that information. And I know that they've been considered kind of the catch-all for fixing everything or making everything better when it comes to the pelvic floor. We did touch on the fact that no, they aren't always the best. Is there anything else you want to add about Kegel's right now can kind of just dispel any myths or misconceptions about their usage. Yeah. So we already covered, you know, like if you have a really tense one, probably not the right move for you, but we are always told, and there's a bunch of instructions of how to do cables at your home online anywhere, but they're really difficult to do. So don't punish yourself or get too hard on yourself. If you're doing them wrong because over 50% of women can't do them correctly. Even with written instructions, we end up engaging our rear end or our inner thighs or our abs. And when you're engaging those other ones, you're not fully engaging your pelvic floor muscle. You're also engaging, or you probably are engaging a different set of muscles because your pelvic floor is tucked up. It's isolated sitting there. And it's really hard for us to engage. Like I think I said like earlier with the penis, Men have that luxury of seeing it go bob up and down. We don't have that luxury. And so like the real test to see if we're actually doing them correctly is, this might be TMI, but to stick a finger into your vagina and see if you can clench it. And we can't do that if we're at a restaurant or a bar or anything like that. Like it's a very intimate thing to do. And so kegels are very difficult to do. And so don't beat yourself up if 
you're trying them and you can't get a handle on them. They are hard to do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate easy that. Easy to hear about hard to do. Yeah, easy to hear about. Yes, absolutely. And yes, in order, it's always important, especially with kegels. I know kegels can be done wrong. They could actually cause more aggravation than not. And we definitely touched a little bit upon that already. And they're probably women listening right now who absolutely felt like they aggravated something more than made it better by trying to do kegels. And so, yeah, I think that the the general consensus in this conversation, at least where I stand with it, is before you start actively, you know, working those pelvic muscles, especially if it's to solve a, a, pr- a problem that you, like a big problem, a concern, it's worth going and talking to someone who's an expert when it comes to pelvic floor rehabilitation. Now that is kind of where you guys come in. So once we have once we have a situation, we have a, a a woman who's struggling with leakage, or she just knows her pelvic floor is not working properly and functioning properly. Then probably you know, the goal and recommendation is to go and find a PT where that's their special specialization. And there are PTs all over the country who specialize in pelvic floor dysfunction and, and rehabilitation. So I just wanted to just put that out there. You should be able to find somebody who can help you. And it's normally recommended that you go and see them, kind of like how you would rehab a knee or you would rehab a shoulder. You would need to rehab these muscles as well. Now, I know that you and your your dad in particular, he, as the inventor, has a device that specifically, if a woman's been diagnosed by a physical therapist with urgent continence due to um, muscle atrophy, then you you guys actually have a device that can help get those muscles reactivated. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have the RLAP, which is FDA cleared to treat urge mixed and stress incontinence. So if you know, you've talked to your licensed healthcare professional and they said, do your Kegel exercises and you roll your eyes and you're like, well, I'm doing them and nothing's happening. It's probably because you haven't been doing them correctly. And the R lab just takes all that guesswork out for you. So um, I think at the beginning, we actually work pretty heavily with physical therapists, urologist, sexologists as well. Um, because of the orgasm thing. And the Yarlap just does those exercises for you. Um, so there's three pelvic floor exercises where they teach you to clench and relax. And then there's actually three massage programs that teach your muscles how to relax as well. So we are geared towards total pelvic floor um, control. And through that treating urinary incontinence, because we take that guesswork of like, am I doing them correctly? Am I doing them the right way? Am I doing them the right amount of times? Am I even engaging the proper set of muscles? And it just takes all that guesswork out for you and just does everything for you. So you just sit there. You don't even do the workout with the RLAP. The RLAP literally does the workout for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Awesome. So now real quick, are these, do these, I know these are medical devices. And so are they only, are they only referred out by the practitioners that you mentioned? Would it ever even be recommended that people just know that they need it? Yeah. So for us, we're actually cleared over the counter and prescription. So if somebody's told you to do it, or you just know we're there for you. Got it. Okay. Wonderful. Good to know. And so there, but I just want that disclaimer of like, there needs to be that knowing, right? Oh yeah. It's always good when something goes into your vagina that you want to make sure that 
it's good, regardless if it's an egg or a weight or any device, right? You want to make sure that there's enough quality control, first of all, that it's made properly and that it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so opening up that conversation with your doctor or whomever is really, really important. And if you've had that conversation and you know that you need to do exercises, but you're not sure if you've done them correctly or you're just like, I don't have time to do that, we are an excellent tool at Yarlap. That's our thing. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I've loved this conversation so much because I feel like we've answered a lot of those basic questions and then kind of that guiding of what that process looks like. And then having this wonderful uh, medical device to help support women, my recommendation is definitely have the conversation, you know, know that there's a reason why you're using any device like you talked about, whether it's the weights or the eggs or whatever you're using so that you're not overactivating these muscles or causing more causing more harm than good. And um, I will have the link for Yarlep to go check out um, the website. Anything else you want to add, Mary Ellen, before we finish up today? No, I think my thing is just, just because something's common doesn't mean it's normal. Agreed, 100%. Thank you so much for helping me to shed light on this topic that we just don't talk enough about. And like you said, at least one, one in two of us are going to have some level of struggle at some point. And I think all of us it's, really want to make sure that our pelvic floor muscles are functioning. We know that there are other things down the road that can become an issue. Um, prolapse, where our organs are actually moving on top of things like like incontinence. And so I really do appreciate bringing to light. And then thank you to you and your dad for creating technology that that we can use. Thank you so much. This was really fun. And, and I think it's really good to bring awareness to this stuff. So thank you. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. I cannot tell you how utterly grateful I am to be having this conversation today so that we can lessen the stigma surrounding bladder leakage, painful sex, and pelvic floor dysfunction. As I mentioned earlier, these are just a series of very important muscles that we can absolutely heal and get to work functionally for us. It's time for us to start having more of these conversations because pelvic pain can be treated naturally and safely. We shouldn't have to live in shame because we are in pain. If you are struggling with pelvic pain or pelvic floor dysfunction, no matter how minor, I want to invite you to go and check out the Urolap to see if it's right for you. But most importantly, I always recommend that you work with the physical therapist first to assess what's actually going on with your pelvic floor muscles so that you know that you're on the right path towards healing. As I mentioned earlier in the show, as we gear up for this incredible book to get released into the world, I am creating a lot of other educational tools, including a masterclass, a quiz, all kinds of incredible guides so that you are feeling fully supported. In order to make sure that I'm serving you, I quickly created this little survey and a giveaway for filling it out. And I will have the link for the survey in the show notes for this episode 226. Or you can go to my website at drmarisa.com slash podcast and pull up the episode 226. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. And the next episode that's coming up, I'm going to be addressing what I did to get pregnant at the age of 40 and 
I just turned 41 literally yesterday. So I'm super excited to, to dive into the nuts and bolts of kind of what that journey looked like and what that journey has looked like since I've been pregnant up until now here at 26 weeks. Well, until then, I hope you're having a wonderful week and you're enjoying the last bits of summertime before we head into fall. And I look forward to seeing you later on this week. <laughs>